0: Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslender. This message was preached on Sunday, July 30th as part of a Lord's Supper service. Before I jump into my message, let me say a couple of things. It is very good to be back. I want to clarify a couple of things that uh, Jeremy said. Um, first of all, I didn't miss four Sundays. I only missed three and if you watched my videos, I want you to understand I was not boasting about the temperature. <laughs> I was gloating, and I've already repented of that. So, and I'm not going to say anything more about that because I'm already in trouble. And I've heard from a bunch of you um, about the uh, temperature difference and how somehow I managed to miss the hottest streak in Phoenix history. But God has a way of getting back came into the office this morning, and the office air conditioner is not working. So, okay, got my reminder this morning. Hey, we're doing things a little differently, Jeremy said. Let me explain what we're doing. We're interspersing four points of the message with some music. Really, the motivation is when you do something differently to get you to think deeply about things. And I want us to focus on exactly what we believe before we participate in the Lord's Supper. Uh, Taking the Lord's Supper itself is really pretty easy. I mean, it's a little cup of juice, it's a little piece of bread, it's a prayer, some songs, a sermon, and then we go right back to life's responsibilities and challenges and trials and victories and defeats and celebrations, often without a change. I mean, it's the normal pattern of life, but Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper to break the normal pattern, and to cause us to focus more deeply on Him. So I'm gonna share with you today four, you probably know these, but repetition, especially for the Lord's Supper, is highly important. Four very basic foundations of our faith. These things we believe, and no one can take us, take them away from us. So I'm gonna ask you at least temporarily today to to set aside other beliefs, other opinions, other issues, other challenges, other hurts, other preferences, and focus on these four most basic things that we believe and that God wants us to know. So set aside temporarily your political beliefs. I know that they are of some importance, but they cannot compare to the truths of Jesus Christ. Set aside your denominational preferences. They're of some importance as as well, but they pale in comparison to the great truths of all Christian churches, set aside your your church preferences, pews or chairs, hymns or choruses, orange or red or blue or gray, preaching styles, choirs or praise teams, piano or guitar or bass, In, in the great scheme of things, these are secondary to the faith that we believe. And set aside temporarily even your personal challenges, we all have them, Some of us are struggling with bills, money. Some of us have some tough relationship issues. Some of us are going through grief from the loss of a loved one. Some of us are having real challenges with our children. Some of us are seeking God's will in an important area of our life and he hasn't given them the answer yet. All of us deal with temptations, pain, frustrations after we have focused on the great truths of our faith, then God can help us handle them much more effectively. So we're going to focus on the great truths that are the foundation of what we believe. And understand this, when life is confusing and it is for pastors, just as it is for everyone else, I kind of retreat to these basic things, this I believe. When life is hard and it is for pastors just as it is for everyone else, I retreat these, to these things that I know for sure and that I want you to know. The things I talk to you about today are the bedrock, the foundation on which we build everything else in our lives. So to fo- focus on the basics, God's led me to what is probably the best known passage in the Bible as our text today. I hope you know it, maybe even you memorized it as a child. It's one of the simplest statements of the gospel of Jesus Christ you will find anywhere. And, of course, I'm talking about John 3, 16, and 17. So stand with me as we read, think about, and ponder this incredible truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's how it reads. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, But whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Now let's read it again. Think about it deeply. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. You may be seated. Gonna share with you four basics of our faith today. If you understand them and you believe them and are absolutely convinced that they are true, then they will change your life. They're not complicated. This is not a new teaching or the latest discovery. I'm sharing four simple truths that have changed more lives Than any other truths in the history of mankind. Most of you know them, but there's value in hearing them again. To be reminded in a very confusing world, this I believe and I know for sure. And I especially want you to think about these things before we participate in the Lord's Supper. And so, basic number one He is, God exists. It's the foundational statement of the Bible, which starts in the beginning, God, or in today's text for God. That's where it starts. That's where everything good starts with God. We are not alone. There is a power, a force, a creator, something alive behind it all. You and I we're not just a product of chance and circumstance. God exists. Yes. Hey, I did see real beauty on our vacation. I'm not talking just about my wife, but I, I saw real beauty on my vacation: The Oregon coast, the Columbia Gorge waterfalls, a rainforest, and a gorgeous lake, crater lake in a collapsed volcano. Crater Lake, by the way, which was the last place we camped, is the, the deepest lake in America. The sign says, as you walk around the lake and, and read the things that the, the Park Service has put up, the sign says that by chance, by chance, the outflow of the lake by evaporation and seepage, and we're talking in the hundreds of millions of gallons... Is equaled exactly by the inflow of the lake, primarily by winter snow. The outflow and the inflow are identical. So despite drought, despite climate change and and everything else, the lake level fluctuates less than an inch ever since it has been discovered. It's one of many thousands of coincidences in the universe and even in our human bodies. There are two ways of explaining the coincidences. Either there is a creator or we are just a product of chance. It takes more faith to believe in a universe that's a product of chance than it takes to believe that there is a God. And so this is foundation number one. He is. Science says, and I read a lot of science, and I'm not putting it down. But here's what science says. Science says that you and I are a product of a big bang followed by evolution. Despite amazing advances in science, they still can't say how it all started. Some say, before the Big Bang, there were a whole series of Big Bangs, but that doesn't answer the real question, who or what ignited the first bang? Others think that our universe is an outflow of something in a parallel universe. That's interesting and and a kind of crazy theory, but it still leads to the question, where did that universe come from, the first one? Philosophers ask, what was the first cause? Listen, I'm not opposed to science. I read a lot of science. But there are a lot of things that science cannot answer. And the first one is, where ultimately do we come from? What was the first cause? And I've come to the conclusion that there is a God. Now... now, doesn't answer everything. we still got more to talk about here in a minute. But just the fact that there is a God should lead you and I and all human beings to some real deep thinking and questions. If there is a God, what is He like? Can He be known? Is He interested in human life? Does He know me? Does He care? What does He want from me, if anything? If there's not a God, then life has absolutely no meaning other than whatever I want to make of it. But if there is a God, and I believe with all my heart that there is, everything changes. That's where it starts. There is a God. He is. Let's continue to worship.
1: Will you stand with us?
0: He is. But that first truth without the second truth could be scary. Just to say there is a God is not enough. If you don't know what he is, it can just be a scary thing. If there is a God, but he's just apathetic and he doesn't care, that's a horrible thing. If there is a God and he's angry... Many ancients believed, and many still scream today that he's angry and mad and out to destroy us. That can be just absolutely scary. And so we need to take step one, he is, and put it together with number two, he loves. For God so loved, our text says. That means he knows who I am. He cares for me. He hurts when I hurt. He grieves when I grieve. He rejoices when I rejoice. He's on my side and he absolutely wants what is best for me. He forgives me when I've blown it. He welcomes me back when I return to him. He is patient when I am stubborn. He keeps the light on for me when I've wandered off. He corrects me when I need it. He disciplines me when I need it. He rewards me far more than I deserve, and he shows me incredible grace when I don't deserve anything. And when he allows tough things to happen for me, there's a purpose for it. Even when I don't understand it, And he's making me stronger and doing things that maybe I can't even understand. Listen, I've told you this before, but I want you to hear it from me again. I'm a pastor, and I'm supposed to have all the answers about God in the Bible. I don't. I just turned 65, and I know less than I did when I was 25. A lifetime of prayer and study has led me to the conclusion that God is deeper than I can understand. And so there are some things I just can't answer or explain. I don't have the confidence that some of those know it all, I know everything and can explain everything kind of Bible teachers can give you that that's not me. But I know this and I rely on it every day. God is and God loves. He wants what is best for me, so I can trust Him. He wants what is best for me, so I can do what He asks me to do. He wants what is best for me, so I can say what He wants me to say. He wants what is best for me, so I know that if I do it His way, God will be with me. These are the basics. God is, and God loves. They are the absolute foundations of my life. Let's sing. You don't have to stand. Just continue to worship. Amen. He is. He loves. But he didn't just shout his love from heaven. The third truth is built on the first and the second. He is, he loves, and the third is, he came. For God so loved that he gave his son. Now, John spent the first two chapters of of the gospel of John explaining that Jesus is God's son, not just a man. And that because of his love for us, he left the glory of heaven. And he came, God did, he came to live on earth. And so that all could identify with him, he did not just appear fully grown as a man. He came into the world the same way you and I did. He was infinite years old, but he came to be born through a mother's womb just like you and I. He existed before the universe. But he still counted his years on earth in the same way we do. And so the Bible tells stories of him as a a baby and as a 12-year-old and as a 30-year-old. Jesus knew everything. He's God. But he willingly gave that up to come and learn in the same way that you and I do. And so he moved through the normal stages of human development and learning. Imagine the humility it took for the creator, the guy that knows everything, to give himself a baby brain and have to learn to talk and have to learn to crawl and have to learn to walk. Think of the humility it required for the creator of everything to put himself at the mercy of of a human mom to change his diaper I mean think of the love involved and the humility involved in that he had all power but he came to live in a human body a limited human body that was so typical think about this No one in the Gospels even thought to tell us how tall he was or how strong he was or what color of hair he had or even what he looked like. Because he was just typical. He was just normal. He came as a normal, everyday human being. Though he was and he is God. Think of the love involved in that. He himself was perfect. But he came to live in an imperfect human body, in an imperfect family, in an imperfect country led by imperfect leaders who were part of a very imperfect empire. And though he was perfect, he lived a life showing incredible love for imperfect and rebellious people. He didn't just announce it, from the heavens. He didn't write it in the sky. He didn't just write a book. He came. That is, of course, the truth, the incarnation that we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus, God's Son, the perfect and holy one, came to earth. The perfect and holy one, God, left the glory and beauty and perfection of heaven And he came down here to live in the same mess that you and I do, because he is, he loves, and he came. Let's sing. He loves, he came, and then he died and he rose. The final truth, and this is what we celebrate and remember at the Lord's Supper. And the first three really make no sense without the last one. He is, He loves, He came, and so he died and he rose. Now it sounds weird to say it, but we need to tell the truth. God died. Jesus was God. Now I know that sounds weird, because we, we think of death as final and eternal. And as Jesus proved to us, it's not. He came as God's son, and he died on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins, paying the ultimate penalty, execution, that this world has to offer. Jesus died like a criminal. There was no special mercy shown. As a matter of fact, they they heaped it on him. Unlike the electric chair or the gas chamber or a firing squad or the needle, he died as a criminal in the Roman system, which means it was designed to inflict as much pain as humanly possible and still keep the man conscious before he died. And he did it. He did it as God, the God who loves and the one who is willing to die for us. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son. He died. Something that has not happened to any of us here yet. He died for me because he loved me. He died for you because he loves you. And then he came back from the grave, proving that death on this earth is not final. And he offered eternal life, a life worth living on this earth, and one that goes on and gets better after this one. He offered that to all who would believe in him. I included that in verse 16, which is often not quoted with John three sixteen, but I include verse 17 because it went on to say something that we need to hear. He did not come to condemn us. He did not come to destroy us. He did not come to harm us. He did not come angry, I'm going to destroy these rebellious people. He came to offer us eternal life, and that eternal life begins in the very moment that we put our faith and trust in Him. And so listen, it's my calling. It's my calling to offer that salvation to you. Because Jesus wants, I want, but it's more important that God wants than Jesus wants. He wants you to believe in Him, to accept these foundational truths. Even if you don't understand everything else, I still don't. But to understand these realities, God is, God loves, God came, God died, God rose again. So what am I asking of you today before we participate in the supper? I want you to do a couple of things in the way of follow through. First of all, I want you to participate in His Supper as if your life and eternity depended upon it. This is not just a liturgical act. This is not just another element of worship. It's not something that I or we planned or organized. It came directly from Jesus. It's a Jesus thing something he asked us to do, to remember the foundation of our lives and what it's all about. It's Jesus, and it's all about him. And when we forget that, man, life gets so crazy complicated and mixed up, and we can't answer everything, we don't know what to think, and we don't know what to do. But when we remember the foundations, he is, he loves, he came, he died, he rose again then life makes sense. So when you participate, this is not just an act, you know, come take bread, juice, go sit down, wait, and blah, blah, blah. Remember what it's all about. This is an act celebrating the most important thing that ever happened on earth. Jesus died for us. And then number two, commit, if you never have, or recommit to Jesus as if your life and eternity depended on it, because it depends totally and completely on Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about Avondale Baptist Church. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And so you believe in him and put your faith and trust in him, and he will guide you and lead you. We're going to participate here in just a moment in the Lord's Supper. And then afterwards, we're going to give you a chance to respond in an invitation. If you're putting your faith and trust in him today, we want to help you. And so we're going to want to know that. But for all of you believers in Jesus, if you are a believer in Jesus, we invite you to participate with us in his supper. It's an act for all believers in Jesus. If you've not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus, you'd be thinking about it as, as we do. But if you're a believer, we invite you to participate with us. And so after I pray, as God leads, you come up and get the the cup and the juice. And our custom is to take it back. And then we all participate together after I read scripture. But it's not that act. This is the important part. The important part is what it means. He is. He loves. He came. He died. And he rose again. Let's pray together. Father, as we participate in your supper, we don't want to do it just out of habit, just because, oh, that's the day on the calendar that we do this. Oh, yeah. We want to do it as an act of remembrance, of celebration, of recommitment. So help us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Typically read 1 Corinthians chapter 11 before we stand and participate. And and after I read, our deacons are going to come forward. Then I'll invite you all to stand and come and get the elements. Here's what Paul told the church. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we are about to participate in something so sacred, I don't know the words to describe it. It's not just another act of worship. Not just another song, another sermon. It's a remembrance and a celebration of the greatest thing that ever happened. On this earth and in our lives so speak to us as we partake and we pray this in jesus name amen our deacons will be here ready to help you and assist you if walking to the front is tough for you just raise your hands and our deacons will be more than happy to bring an element to you let's all stand together and participate
1: my words fall short, I've got nothing new, how could I express all my gratitude, I could sing these songs, as I often do. But every song must end, and you never did. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Because all that I have is a hallelujah. I've nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing Hallelujah, hallelujah.
0: We will start with the bread. So take your piece of bread. Jesus said after he gave thanks and broke it, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then after supper, he took the cup. Saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, thank you for reminding us of the basics of our faith. Maybe nothing new for most of us, but a reminder that our life is built on the foundation you gave us. You exist. You love. You came. You died and rose again. And because you're alive, we believe in you. We will follow you. We will tell others about you. So God, lead us and help us in all things. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, a couple of things that I want to let you know. You see how I came back. I didn't come back to wow you with something new. But just to remind you of the very basics of what we believe. And these things, they're not complicated. They're really not that hard to tell other people about. God exists. We believe that. God loves us. We know that. We're convinced of that. Jesus is God, and he came to earth as God's son, and he died on the cross, and he rose again. Those are the basic elements of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I want to just focus on those things today before we participate in his supper. If you're ready to make a decision for Christ, you're ready to join our church, even those of you online. If if you're ready to join with us, make a decision, you want prayer, you want help, um, I will be around, our deacons will be around after the worship service, and we will be more than happy to help you with that. Not giving a public invitation, kind of leaving it up to you. You want to make a decision, seek us out. We will help you in every possible way with that. And I want you to know that. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net. And you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.